Hello, what have we here? Hello there. Morning, Senator. Greetings, We are the ones who guard the power. We are the middle. The beginning. <laughs> Boys and girls of the internet world, my name is Christopher Marin, and, and you are listening to the Star Wars Friends Podcast on the No One Is Listening Podcast Network. And joining me today are my Star Wars friends. I'm Josh, and he's no good to me dead. <laughs> I'm Justin, and I'm still trying to beat that 12-second Kessel run. Nice. I'm Vic, and I got a bad feeling about this. All right. And hey, Kyle's actually at work right now, but he is joining us as a force ghost. So that's a beautiful thing. Uh, I know Kyle wanted to be here tonight. So working on Thanksgiving Eve is always a tough call. Um, But with that, guys, it's episode four. I'm like super excited about this. Um, You know, I know that we are a brand new podcast uh, in a massive, massive galaxy of fantastic Star Wars podcasts. So if you are listening to us, you are checking us out for the first time. Thank you. And thank you for being our Star Wars friend. It's all about community with us. And with that, if you're online listening to this, you want to engage with us, you want to connect with us, please reach out to us. You can hit us up on all channels. You can hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at SW Friends Show. Uh, that is at SW Friends Show. We want to hear from you. So as you're going through this episode, you're like, oh, I, that's, I got a good thought on this. Please hit us up. We would love to hear from you and your stories from all over the world. That's what this is all about. But guys, this is exciting. I'm like super stoked right now um it's only our fourth episode and i remember when i met you guys in celebration in chicago in april um i pitched this show to you i had these little cards with me and you know it was for the star wars friend show and it wasn't a podcast back in april but i had this crazy idea that i was gonna interview and and learn from star wars fans from all over the world because i find people's star wars passion and their emotional connection to it absolutely fascinating and you know, although our origin stories may be similar, you always find something different or some different, like, you know, some different facet to it that really makes it unique. And that's what keeps me going. And that's what is really engaging about the Star Wars community at large. So with this, today is the first that we're doing on the Star Wars Friends show of a series of basically like, I don't know, interviews, Q&A, whatever you want to call it. We get to learn uh, from somebody today that's not one of us, right? And it's really awesome that we have someone that is in incredibly elite company in the Star Wars universe, Uh, someone that is an actor by trade. Uh, He played a bounty hunter named Gecko on just a little tiny show on Disney Plus called The Mandalorian. Uh, I want to introduce (laughs) our newest Star Wars friend, Mr. Dominic Pace. What is going on, Dominic? How are you, gentlemen? Thanks for having me, and hello to all your listeners. Thank you so much. Exciting uh, month here we've had. 
Yeah, this is so exciting. Yeah. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about it on our last episode, uh, just how mainstream hot the Mandalorian is. It is just, it is taken off so fast. And did you ever expect it to, I mean, I mean, maybe, but did you expect it to be this mainstream hot so fast? Yes. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I think, you know, you're, t- you're dealing with also a one of the most major studios in Hollywood that is banking their entire new streaming network off of one show. So you have sure. that combined with yeah. Filoni and Favreau, who really, I mean, just have such a great track history with the Star Wars fans where they get us, you know, they understand it. And it's not, you know, anything, you know, it, it just goes back to, it's, it's not offensive to anyone. It just goes back to good story making, you know? And that includes everyone. That includes everyone from all walks of life. But, you know, we got to focus on the story. And, and Favreau and Filoni, in, in, you know, we trust. There should be a T-shirt they put out tomorrow uh, saying that, you know, Favreau, Filoni, 2020. I mean, they're just, they're just amazing. Um, they're amazing on set in terms of the way that they, they behave and the way that they, they perform, um, the way that they produce. Uh, I, I've never been on a set that's been so uh, just professional in the sense that from start to finish, you can just feel the control and you can feel the peace that is not only from reflects from the cast, but also the higher ups and also the crew. It was just such a beautiful experience those nine days. And I wish that they never ended. I, I mean, there were 16 hour days. I got very little sleep. The last <laughs> right. time on the ninth day was pumping like you wouldn't believe. And even two hours in the makeup chair every morning, it was like <laughs> I'm sure every Star Wars fan would be able to relate in terms of just watching your character, your own unique Star Wars character come to life. So there was just no there was no fatigue whatsoever. Just, and but, but most of it is a compliment to the director, Deborah Chow and to David Filoni. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and that's, you know, you bring up, you brought up a lot of great things there and I want to dive into so much of what you yeah. just said. Um, I, I kind of want to start with something that you, that you said there, the trust and, you know, did Filoni talk to you at all, or do you know anything about the trust tree? Are you part of the, are you in the trust tree? <laughs> um, I mean, I think you felt it from the featured, you know, the featured bounty hunters all the way up to the, the top brass, you know, it's yeah. that they go about business to where, you know, I think the best thing is, and I think this is the, 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 the signature thing for any company, I don't care whatever you're managing, whatever a trade you are in, is to hire good people. And when yeah. you hire people, you don't need to manage. So I think that's kind of what I felt in terms of from everyone from myself to, I mean, just the higher ups. It's it just everyone that was hired there was had a, a tremendous amount of experience. Yeah. So they need to, there didn't need to be any type of adjustments. Everybody knew what they were doing. Um, and then not to mention, you have a, the, as the backdrop, one of the greatest franchises of all time where you can take at least more than 50 percent of the cast and crew that knew that they were part of something that was going to be very, very special. So, you know, how do you not show up to work every day? <laughs> and I hope that everyone who has that yeah. job, I used to, as one of our survival jobs, manage nightclubs, you know, but how yeah. great it is to show up to work and be proud of your product. Uh, so it was just effortless from start to finish from the, the nine days that I experienced. That's so why you, you're giving me goosebumps, Dominic, as you're <laughs> as you're like literally going through this. I'm getting, I'm getting literal goosebumps listening to you because you, you've been able to live a dream that a lot of us Star Wars fans have always, you know, I've always dreamt of being a bounty hunter legitimately because growing up, Boba Fett was my my guy. I grew up yeah. in the novel era and, and you were able to do this. But beyond that, I mean, you are you have 
a long list of, of acting credits. I mean, you have definitely done a lot. And, you know, going through your history, I was I was picking this out, picking that. I was like, oh, wow, like this dude has been all over. And, and before we got together, uh, we, you know, we were talking about how versatile your background has been and all the different, uh, you know, genres that you've you've been able to act in. So, you know, as far as you as an actor, what has been up to this point prior to Mandalorian or even beyond stuff that we don't know about? Because I did see, you know, you get your I don't know. It's on IMDb. You're in that Harley Quinn movie that's coming out. That's got a lot of buzz. But what what has been your most proud achievement so far in your acting career? I think the longevity, ultimately, um, you know, it takes a lot in between the lines to not give up and to not quit. And the Mandalorian for me was sort of a, a symbol. I had an agent for about 10 years. and. You know, there was an old 1955 film, Marty, that I attributed to. Um, there was a, there's all the, the, the popular kids that you're hanging out with. And this uh, Marty, who was played by Ernest Borgnine, he was in love with this woman that wasn't that attractive. You know, he, won, he ended up winning the Academy Award for this movie, by the way. But yeah. all his friends were like, nah, you don't want to hang out with that person. You don't want to hang out with this. And we've all had those guy friends where, you know, you might be into something, but they're not. But for me, as far as with acting, I've been passionate about projects at every single level. So there's been times where I'll be recurring on, say, NBC Superstore or Jimmy Kimmel Live or have a big guest star on 911 on Fox. But at the same time, I love what I do. And yeah. at the same time, as much as I want to hold out for the big series regulars and for CAA to throw me a top script from Marvel, at the same time, you know, I if you're not on set, you have to work every odd job you can possibly do. And for me, I if you're a director and you're an independent filmmaker, and you say, hey, Dom, you know, I have a contract for you at 250 a day um, and you're going to be flying to Cleveland or whatever. I would rather be with you than to do the odd job because you never know where you're going to be the next day. Right. And to me, the Mandalorian is a symbol of that personality, that attitude, that that um, that sort of angle that I've taken since I was 18 years old, because this was a simple makeup test. So the things that I'm most proud of are the guest stars, but it's also the overall journey in that I have never acted like I was above it all for my family. And for my own career, whatever it is that I have to do in order to make a living, I don't sit on the couch and dream about it, you know. And so if yeah. you're listening at home to where you're working at Walmart is maybe a, a bagger or you're, you're driving Uber or whatever you're doing, don't ever have any shame in that at all because you're working towards something bigger. And anyone who gets off every gets up every morning to work and support their family or to follow their dream, you deserve the utmost respect. And the reason I'm passionate about that. It's because there's a lot of people out there who kind of look down upon that. You know, they yeah. say, oh, well, you know, you just have to stay at this level now because you're with us now. No, I'm not. You know, I, I'm a blue collar actor and I believe in that, that, you know, the 99 percent of us should get that kind of praise and attention that sometimes the 1 percent get. They are so vocal in terms of spreading the wealth. So I think you should give credit to the, those 99 percent. So overall, it's the entire IMDb uh, resume um, because it's about longevity and never giving up. That's message. great. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah, and, nice. you know, yeah, you are definitely a working actor, Dominic. I will say <laughs> uh, kudos to you, man. This is this. I know it's not an easy business. No. Um, my, my partner, she's a stage actor and I'm you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with that community and how competitive it is. So kudos to you, man. Thank you. You know, it's hard. for, And that's the other thing, too. I'd like to just make note. I know the last couple of years has been a lot of virtue signaling. You know, I, I like to use the word humanism because I'm a, a male Caucasian. It's hard for everyone. It's hard for you gentlemen out there as well. We're making $10, $15 an hour sometimes. It's hard for everyone. So I get the whole, you know, the movement which needs to happen. But at the same time, I support you 
Thank you for supporting me as well, because it means the world. But please don't ever undermine how hard you and I have to work in order to get ahead in this country. So I, I appreciate the whole movement. But at the same time, that's why the word humanism should come into play, because we all have it hard to, to get what we want to achieve in this world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you, you have this you have this long career, right? And it. And while you're acting, you know, Justin kind of Justin did a little bit of research on you and he, he I didn't know this because I didn't want to dig in a little bit. I didn't want to. I wanted you to tell me your story. But he, Justin, let me know that you're a Star Wars fan. Oh, like, my God. Legit. Legit. <laughs> so you, you can kind of tell from the background. <laughs> you can tell you by know, the background. See that story back there? <laughs> I've been a collector ever since I was a kid during the episode one in 1999. Um, I, I really fed into the nostalgia with the other fans. I was there at midnight with Toys R Us. Um, it just really brought back a lot of magical memories because I kind of left the fandom after Lucas said that it was going to kind of be over. But yeah. in 1998, when I saw that first trailer for episode one, uh, you know, just all the nostalgia came back. But yeah, when I was a kid, I mean, you know, I had pictures when I was 16 where the Millennium Falcon is still in my bedroom, you know, and <laughs> five years old, the Cantina playset plus the 12 figures. That was the, my go-to. You know, I spent hours yeah. and hours, 1983, the most magical Christmas of my life. Santa Claus brought uh, all the Return <laughs> of the Jedi figures, plus the Jabba's playset. I spent hours, hours. Um, this, this franchise, more or less, inspired me to become an actor because of the power that I felt, not only through the visual, but also the magic of uh, this genius that is John Williams. Uh, the, yeah. the music pulls at our heartstrings, oh, yeah. and that all connects to emotion. And... Uh, uh, without question, I owe a lot to Lucas and, and Williams in terms of wanting to pursue this craft. And, and that's, yeah, I mean, John Williams is a master in his own right. And that's fascinating that as an actor, you, you are going right to the, the the sound, right? Like the sound design and all that, the bringing out the emotional impact of that. But when you were a young actor and you're going through your career and you're navigating your, you know, your first few years as a working actor, you're on screen now. Did you have dreams that you that you might end up in a Star Wars film or when Force Awakens came out that you might, you know, eventually connect with Lucasfilm and live out your dream? I gave up. I gave up because um, in episode one, I know obviously it was filmed in Australia and then England and then Africa. And there's no way if you're not a, a name, a star name, that they're going to fly you out, even for Game of Thrones. Unless, you know, I was actually up for Drogo. I work out 30 minutes wow. a, a, a wow. day, uh, not three hours. So, I mean, much respect to Jason Momoa. <laughs> amazing, amazing uh, actor. He deserved yeah. it. But the thing is, is they will not fly you out for a small guest star for Game of Thrones unless it's very, very specific. So I gave up, um, and that's what made it really that moment so magical for me, um, just because I thought that it was going to be an extension of Marvel, uh, a Marvel show, and I thought I, I played a Cree, I also played a guard on on Agents of Shield. I had a couple so of awesome, and uh, you know I've had a, had a great time. And this gentleman Brian Sipe, who headed up Drax, uh, David Batista for our Guardians, oh, yeah. as well as Avengers, I didn't know the power that he had, and but I just have always been genuine when I'm on set. I had the privilege of being with Hugh Jackman. I doubled Frankenstein on Ben Helsing in 2002. Wow, and nice. Hugh, Hugh Jackman, I was also an orc in Bright. Um, Hugh Jackman and, and Will Smith, I mean, the top of the line, so humble, so yeah. gracious. So for me to act any other, any different way, the rest of my life, the rest of my career would be such a sin and disrespect to those legends who are true movie stars. Um, so that's the, what, the personality that I portrayed that day uh, for Brian. I gave him my card. And again, I mean, I just didn't know what to say to him that day when I finally realized what it was. You know, it, it, <laughs> it, it was just really it was really hard. You know, how do you thank a stranger? 
Right. Yeah. So just met one day to not only put you in the series, but also there were two out of there were three outfits that they had for me. Two of them were going to be masked. And Brian went up to wardrobe before Richard A. Pora, this amazing costume designer, was about to dress me. And he said, no, 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 I want Dominic for the prosthetic. And, and Brian said to me, he said, listen, he said, I want to give you the most extensive makeup out of, out of the bounty hunters because of your patience and your kindness. And God willing, next year, I mean, the one thing that will seal this all up for me would be hopefully, God willing, a, an action figure of some sort. Even if yeah. It's, yeah, nice. You know, so we'll, yes. we'll see what happens. For me, that's my, that would be my Academy Award. I, it would just be a problem <laughs> That was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you is if you think Hasbro should make your figure. Yeah. And if if so, would you prefer the 3.75 or would you prefer the six inch? Oh, the, I mean, the six inch without question. <laughs> yes. But, but at the same time, you know, what I'm worried about, and I know we have four right on our heels right now, is just Favreau and Filoni are amazing. The, the magic, the visual artists are amazing. The only thing I'm worried about is being overshadowed the next five episodes as we start continuing. You know, it was a featured side character. The good news is, is Dengar and Bosk had less than a minute of For sure. Yep. Back. Um, the campaign and the fan base, the 501st and Mercs have been so incredibly supportive of everything that I've been doing and as far awesome. as branding this. Um, but it's just a fear when you're dealing with a TV series that you might get lost in the shuffle. I don't know that. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I just posted something on Instagram. This guy did a, my figure, I think he's located in Texas and it looks absolutely gorgeous. I awesome. Think it's crazy. Not to, and I'd love to be like, even if I'm the yak face or blue snaggletooth, yeah. it's like a really <laughs> right. rare the chase. for Star Wars, that would be uh, amazing for me. Dude, Dominic, you are, you are one of us. Yes. <laughs> Thank I, you. I was in Chicago with you guys. I wish I, I, I couldn't say a damn word. There was somebody online. I finally said it to them. Then there, there started to be a little hoopla where people wanted to get selfies, but I was freaking out because of my NDA agreement. Even yeah. On some of the podcasts. <laughs> before it aired, and I was getting frightened that Mickey Mouse was going to be at my door with a machine gun. <laughs> but right. I was in Chicago, papers. I, you guys, um, I was meeting with a couple of illustrators just on the down low, um, because I wanted them to, to kind of make my character iconic. Uh, it was such a pleasure to be there. Lou Malnati's pizza is the best. Oh, place. yeah. <laughs> That's good. So, so when you, you know, they, you learn that you're on The Mandalorian. Uh, you you get the, you get the call or you get the text or the email. You know we want you, Dominic. We want you to play a character on the Mandalorian. Did you? Know you? Even then, it was hush hush. It was called Huckleberry, and I was going to Manhattan Beach Studios for a uh, screen test. The first time in my twenty plus year career, wow. test you have to understand is extremely expensive for a production. So at that point, I knew that something was up because when you're hiring a whole union crew just to shoot things that aren't going to be seen. That is a tremendous amount of money. Yeah. Um, and that's where Favreau and Filoni were there. I didn't, I gotta be honest, I'm a diehard Star Wars fan, but Filoni, I couldn't place. Um, and Deborah Chow was there. I couldn't place her. Uh, and I have a wow. fun story with that. I, I don't mean to keep running on here, but um, initially, the reason the character was called Gecko was Brian did a, he did a makeup um, piece for a Greenpeace event in Atlanta. And he had this small woman uh, be the model and it had two bumps on its head plus the same makeup style that mine had um well anyhow he kept the two bumps for the screen test and so i'm doing i'm doing the screen test i have the behind i have like this moisture farm and Filoni's there and Favreau. i'm not nervous at all i mean they just wanted me to stay yeah. and intimidating and brooding i'm a lot different when i perform and uh so i they wanted me to reveal myself like the dream star wars fan thing to reveal yourself in the star wars <laughs> right Yes. So there's like this little snicker from a couple of the bounty hunters, right? And I'm just like, you know, I got to, some of them were like my boys, you know, I knew, I knew them from other production. So like, I said, guys, what's funny? And they're like, yo, they said, not for nothing. 
these look like titties on your head. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, so I go to Brian right away and I said, look, man, I don't have any pull. I said, I'm so grateful for this. I said, but look, I'm six foot four. I'm 250 pounds. I'm like the freaking size of Jason from Friday the 13th. Right. There's never been a six foot four bounty hunter. I said, well, please. I said, I know we have till Monday. I said, is there any way that you can kind of make this like badass? And he, at first he was hesitant. He's the nicest guy on earth, but thank God he made that adjustment. Otherwise I would not be here talking with you guys. I'd be hiding. <laughs> they had, you know, there's that funny high school meme, you know, with that guy in the high school picture. He looks all awkward. It was like, Get some Star Wars has boobs on his head. <laughs> yeah. Boom! You know? Oh, yeah. Changed it, and, and God willing, um, you know, everybody will really take this gecko. And, and it, like I said, it'll be one of those rare uh, figures, hopefully, for the for the Black Series and for, you know, oh, they don't, sure. they don't yes. make a lot of them for 3.75. That would be amazing. Yeah. We got to take up the charge to get this to happen. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> I, Joining the crusade. The now. Whoever knows somebody at Hasbro, you know, let's do it, you know? Yeah. I would love that. And and I want to check that figure out that that fan made. We'll definitely, we'll get the word out, man. Oh, it looked, yeah. It, I just posted it on all uh, my, my Twitter, my Instagram and Facebook. He did an amazing job. It, it was like, wow. Yeah. Nice. Vic, you got a question? Yeah. You know, we all know Filoni has his great work in the animated series between Clone Wars and Rebels and his his wonderful mind in the Star Wars universe. How was he working in his first live action show? How was he like, different than any other directors or writers you've ever worked with before? Uh, really so chill. I mean, it really was something. And, and my first day, it was another special gift. I really wish it was sort of one of these things to where I could share my body and my mind and my eyes with every, with every single Star Wars fan. The first day that I was there, I'm walking into the cantina as my own one-of-a-kind bounty hunter. <laughs> and sitting standing there with his arms folded is none other than George Lucas. And he's no. there. No. He's there with the maker. I have to admit, I did not know the detail of the um, the Mandalorians. And I'm listening to Lucas. I'm overhearing him talk to Favreau about this whole universe that I had no idea about. I, I was not into the, the, the book series there in any way, shape or form. Um, but again, Favreau and Filoni, man, I mean, you just want to grab a beer with them. That was the yeah. overall tone. Even Kathleen Kennedy was there. You wow. just you did not wow. feel any sense of back in the day. Like I heard stories. I had a guy who was on sound for the abyss with James Cameron. And then I had friends who were on Titanic. And don't get me wrong. When you have a one hundred to two million hundred million dollar budget, I respect Michael Bay and James Cameron. I've been under those situations, you know, even on a football team to where, you know, you have different coaches and managers who conduct a certain way. It's kind of frowned upon, obviously, and now we have the whole harassment age where that stuff yeah. doesn't go down. But I'll tell you, man, it was just so relaxed and chill, but for good reason. And like I said, because you hire the right people, such a gr great piece of advice for anyone that's a manager. Hire the right people, and you do not need to manage. The, he, right. he was so relaxed. Every time he went up to Carl, uh, Carl Weathers, it was just everything was just so simple and peaceful there was no you know none of this you know where he's you know frantic or explaining or getting angry yeah none of it at all man he's as chill as he seems at the uh conventions i just heard with the 501st he showed up an hour early just to make sure that he took photos with everyone at the red carpet down at the el capitan such a genuine nice man. yeah yeah, we're we are huge Dave Filoni fans here. Uh, we're big yes. Ahsoka fans, which is his, you know, his his big creation, right? And yeah. um, you know, this is just such a, a dream for him too. I mean, this is something he always wanted to get into, and he's so far delivered. Um, but I, you know, the, you mentioned the the screen test. You 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 knew at that point you were going to be a bounty hunter, right? 
at the yeah, screen the test? Time, let me take you back and say the second, because the second I knew, it, it, it was a very eerie feeling on set and also in these offices. That all the doors were closed, and I went to go use the restroom, and I start seeing on the, on the, the office doors Mr. Blue, Robot, uh, oh. Dr. Love, you know, things that were all code names. So it wasn't that it was a legitimate, <laughs> you know, but it was just all code names. Everything was completely secret. Every door was closed. Even when I was sitting there with another bounty hunter waiting to get fit, I didn't know that he was a bounty hunter. The door was closed. It wasn't until I was taken in separately that any Star Wars fan would have recognized the artwork on the wall. And that's when it started hitting. Wow. And then where it really clicked was there was the rack of clothes. It said Dominic Pace bounty hunter. And that's when I, 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 I equate it to, there was a great old movie called Big with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so, uh, John Lovitz is this great scene to where he's older and he gets a check. He finally gets his first paycheck and it's $168 and he's freaking out because it's been the day of his life. And John Lovitz is like, yeah, another day of work. So I'm going in with a bounty hunter and he, you know, he's not a Star Wars fan, so he doesn't get it, you know? Yeah. But that's what it was. It was basically like, I'm sitting here trying to contain my freaking excitement and this guy's just like yeah you know all right so we got to get fitted today hopefully we'll be out of here in an hour i'm just like what i'm like this is, this is insane right now oh so so you so you do the screen test how how long between the screen test and the actual filming uh how long was that process just so we i think it was thursday we did the screen test and uh monday morning i was in at 5 a.m and in the makeup chair holy smokes um, and again i knew what i was in for the two hours they ended up painting the cap and keeping the cap painted, so it cut off about 20 minutes of my paint job. Okay. Um, but uh, other than that, it was about 90 minutes or so. And again, you're not on your phone, you're not chatting, you're just sure. there flying. You got to keep your mouth closed, um, just due to all the paint and makeup. I'm good friends with an amazing um, prosthetic guy. His name is Doug Jones, and he's a legend in the business. He was in The Shape of Water and Pan's Labyrinth. Okay. In um, uh, Hellboy, he played the third in uh, Command, the the Sapien there, whatever it was. Um, but but Doug was a, a good inspiration in terms of just having patience. But I didn't even need it. I mean, I was just so excited, uh, you know, like any Star Wars fan would be to have this opportunity. Yeah. And, and so, you've played you've played roles with makeup before. Was this was this the most intense or on a scale of like one to ten? Yeah. As oh, far as the makeup scale orc, with the orc and bright, they just put the mask on. When okay. I first put a mask on, it was actually with Legacy Effects, who ran uh, Star Wars, but ran Mandalorian. Um, for uh, Frankenstein, I was with Shuler Hensley opposite Hugh Jackman for that. And then with um, Wolfman, his good friend, Will Kemp. Um, I actually got, when I was younger, I got very claustrophobic for a second. I freaked out in the makeup uh, trailer because, oh. he, because it was not a Halloween mask. You know, it really is like no joke. And for a second, there's a mental switch that I was able to turn on. And thank God I've been able to keep it my whole career to where it almost feels comforting now. And it's like cozy. But yeah. when you first do it, you know, all of a sudden you're like, you're freaking out for a second because you feel smothered, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. once you get in the makeup, right, once you're, you're, everything's on, you're ready to go. Do they give you any feedback or any information and say, all right, this is your character. This is your species. This is where you're from. Or is it basically, Hey, go stand here, wait to shoot at protagonist and then move from there. No, no. Uh, they were given a situations to where you can see vaguely in the background. Uh, you see me in episode one to where I was negotiating with a woman at the bar. Um, they allowed us to play a little bit and they allowed us nice. to kind of create our bounty hunter a little bit. Uh, most of the people in that cantina, half were just, you know, regular citizens. The other uh, half were bounty hunters. And thankfully, I got to stay for the third episode. Um, so, so what's your backstory? Third episode, I got a great story with that. 
Yes. I, I don't know. What, I, I have no idea what Werner Herzog's talking about. Maybe it was different because actually on my day, my screen hit test, Werner was doing his scene, but none of us knew. If anything, I thought it was going to be more depth to Finn, Ray, and Poe as far as their backstory because I knew that it was a baby. I knew the situation. I knew that I felt that my bounty hunter was completely unapologetic and would take whether it was a baby, a woman, or a child, mm. whatever, would do whatever mm. it takes. That's what I would, the direction I was given to get that bounty back. Um, but no word at all, and not to the crew, anyone. So I don't know what he's talking about in terms of the fact of, um, you know, it, it was he demanded that I was Yoda or whatever. Nobody knew. It was yeah. just like, I think David Prowse with Empire Strikes Back, nobody knew that it was Luke's father. And rightfully so, because they wanted to keep the secret. There was 200 people on set. That would have leaked one way or another. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't have done it, of course, if I knew. But at the same time, we did not know. All we knew was that it was a baby. And even that we kept under wraps. But I knew it was a baby. I just thought it was either Ray Finn or Post backstory. And it, well, what's really fun about the backstory, because huh. this is something when, when you agreed to come on an interview, I was like, oh, okay. I, like backstory is my thing. I'm a big, I'm a big like novel reader. Josh, uh, Josh is also, and you know, I yeah, I read all the comics and I'm, yeah. I'm just one of those purists where I have to read everything. So yeah. I, you know, I can see a Gecko comic coming out. I could see some type of backstory, you know, like you mentioned, Dengar and Bosk. And dude, there are legions of, you know, books and comics and, yeah. and, and backstory on that. But I have a question for you. Yeah. Let's let's get in the mindset of Gecko. Yeah. You're in the, you're in that battle, right? You're you're go, you're in the guild, you grief yeah. cargo's right next to you, and you guys are gonna get baby Yoda back at all costs. Yes. Let's say Gecko is the lone survivor in the whole OK Corral shootout, right? You you survive in this shootout. Which, and you, which happened, by the way. Oh, OK. I'm really? Alive. Yeah. Okay. Oh, good. OK. Well, let's say let's say you, you are alive, but you actually grab the asset. You get Baby Yoda. Now this is yours. This is your bounty. Do you do you cash it in for the bounty or do you save Baby Yoda? Um, and, I can't. And because the other thing that I would like to uh, talk about in terms of backstory, first of all, Deborah Chow is heading up Kenobi. And yes. uh, ideally what I would see in terms of the backstory for Gecko is that he got his ass beat a little bit by Obi-Wan for trying to get Luke. And Luke was Ooh. at a young age. So uh, that's what okay. I would like to see in that he obviously wasn't killed. Um, I talked with this about actually somebody wants to write fan fiction over in uh, Rhode Island. Uh, he wants to write you know, my character and kind of head it up in terms of being one of the Bounty Hunter Guild members. Um, and we were talking about the spaceship as far as not being anything from Naboo or Coruscant, being rusty and weathered and such, just like the character. Um, but ideally, in a perfect world, and again, I mean, I'm still close to Brian. Brian is still the head over at Legacy, um, but would be ideally to go to uh, in the Kenobi series and to be a part, if that storyline happens to exist, that uh, basically Kenobi is fighting off a tremendous amount of things, you know, people and and the parts of the, you know, the the Empire uh, to, in order to protect Luke all of that time. And yeah. ideally, you know, just like Rogue One, there might've been a rogue group of bounty hunters that went after Luke, but Obi-Wan saved the day. And, uh, as long as that's played out, I think there's an amazing storyline with that. And I would love nothing more for Gecko to be a lead part of that. Yeah. So if you turn the asset in, how do you prefer to be paid? Do you want Imperial <laughs> credits or the calamari flan? <laughs> I think 
I think it'll be the calamari flan because yeah, fires down. Choice. Fuck that. <laughs> you know so, what? I want to get my groove on. I want to get my swerve on all over the galaxy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, so Gecko's a ruthless bounty hunter. You're just yeah. ruthless. You don't think that you don't think that sweet baby Yoda can change you or or make you um you know make you feel a different way, like kind of how Baby Yoda made an impression on the Mandalorian. You think Gecko's just hardcore bottom line yeah. bounty hunter? The one thing about a performance, I was with the Actors Gang. Uh, Tim Robbins headed up, uh, Academy Award winner uh, Tim Robbins headed up a group called the Actors Gang. And the one thing that's important about a story is that you are there to pass the food. And what I mean by that is you have to share. It's like Thanksgiving tomorrow. We're all sharing. I had an opportunity to run to set before that mouthpiece got on me where I would have had more of a FaceTime for my character. And it's the same thing to where I said the character would be better off if I was covered with the mask because it gives more of a mystery. Mm. And in order to make the whole of the Mandalorian go along and to make the heroes the heroes, I look at Gecko as completely 110% unapologetic. Now, myself, it's a different yeah. story, but as far as him as a bounty hunter, he is following the code. And the reason he's out there and the reason he's the technically the left-hand man of, of grief there is because he is one of the loyal ones. And by being yeah. loyal, unfortunately, as much as that thing is so freaking adorable in real life, <laughs> I don't see Gecko doing that. Wow. And the way that I played it out, I was with a, a woman who was uh, probably half my height in the cantina. And when I had that opportunity to play, there's a couple of brief screenshots uh, behind grief in that um, the, the negotiation that I was making at that uh, during the situation was completely um, uncompromised at all. I don't okay. see him with his statue uh, and his stature and his reputation to be uh, compromising at all. And again, this is for the betterment, in my opinion, of the entire story, the entire guild, to where I think Gecko's color would be this way. And other, you know, you might have other people sprinkle this way, but I think Gecko is something to where it's completely unapologetic. So you're alive in the Mandalorian universe. Are will we see a return of Gecko in the series? Or can you I mean, you don't have to say it. I don't want to get you any hot water, but are we gonna see a a return of Gecko in the series? I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, they're currently shooting season two, and Brian is talking with them. Okay. But, um, nice. I made it very clear that, uh, and they understood it as well, uh, that we were not seen dying. Uh, we did not get killed. Yeah. So, um, there's a possibility. There's also a possibility with Kenobi. The other thing that's beautiful about Star Wars is that it goes backwards, forwards, and sideways. At the yes. same time, with that being said, this is sort of a Willy Wonka moment in my life, and out of respect to every single Star Wars fan, if you were to be given a million dollars, I say, here's a million dollars right now. Would you, would you really, I mean, could I really look at you as a positive person if the next day you're saying, hey, oh my God, maybe it is another million. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost yeah. to the point, 44 years old. My biggest concern now, I, I actually have been getting on the phone. Uh, I've been doing video calls with kids that are sick in the hospital, things like that. My biggest thing right now is to be able to just embrace what I've been given as a gift. And if I can touch people's lives in a positive way by a simple video call yeah. um, to, to wish them all the best from the Bounty Hunter Guild or to be involved with the 501st as far as a charity organization, to me now it's Dominic, the character, as opposed to that. Don't get me wrong. I would, I would give anything. And, and Brian hit me up about two months ago, and he asked me a question. And the weird thing was, if it was maybe a year ago before this happened, I'd probably be right on him every single day yeah. until something happened. And i got to be honest, I wasn't. Because I'm so content. I was in Italy last year, and the Europeans, the one thing I respect about them is they take four-week vacations, and there's something about yeah. them. The great thing about America 
is that we, we hustle and we work hard. But there is something to be said to where, and we have to because of cost of living. There is just something to be said, though, about taking a second now tomorrow or whenever it is in your life and just being grateful for what you have. For and sure. And seeing what I can do now to help others achieve their dream or to be part of something magical to where maybe it lifts them up. That, to me, now at 44 years old is more fulfilling than getting another 100 television credits. Yeah. And, and I, I would like to inspire others in regards to that in that, yes, there's nothing more I want to continue on Gecko, and I hope to God I'm actually going to get I'm going to own this 100%. I'm getting a whole uh, tattoo of him on my right yes, arm. Nice. Right yes, shoulder. perfect. So, I mean, I'm owning this character, and I will be at a different city in a different state every month next year, uh, supporting all of the 501st and the Mercs and, and, and really embracing the Star Wars fans every way I can. My agent has me coming in as early as possible, as late as possible, so I can yeah. do dinner, charities, appearances, etc. cetera. Uh, but at the same time, it's really... What, the biggest thing on my mind right now is to hopefully give back in the best way that I can. And you're in the perfect community, Dominic. You are you are in the Star Wars community now. It's something that not only you know you have it on your acting credits, but you are now part of something larger than life, right? Yeah. You have access to so many great charities that you can do this work to. You know, the 501st, they are a fantastic organization. Does a lot of charity work, and yeah. and there's so many cel. You know, I was going to say celebrations. Of course, we have Star Wars celebration, which is a fantastic place for you to get your message out, meet fans, and. Yeah. And kind of, you know, spread your spread your goodwill. And quite frankly, the Star Wars community needs as much goodwill as possible. Um, it was a beautiful, there's a beautiful lesson. It was almost like a Beauty and the Beast sort of side story to this, in that this character literally would be nothing without the fans. And for that, I am forever devoted to the fan base to be able to to try to give back the best way that I can, because this character would have been a blip on the screen if it wasn't for the fan base and the and the 501st, the Mercs, people yeah. like yourself. So when you asked me and you were like, wait, oh, my God, you're coming up. Absolutely. Because, again, it, it was just a way of the Star Wars gods giving me just enough to say, hey, here you go. But respect those. And, and again, Jerry Lewis, I, I'm sorry, he was one of the most talented performers on Earth. But he was such a freaking dick because he literally <laughs> thought that he owed you nothing. And mm. that waited two hours outside his freaking show when he was, I don't know, when he was in his prime. Two hours. And she said, you know, I waited two hours for you and I just want your autograph. And he says, I'm not giving it to you. And he says, I owe you nothing. And I completely disagree with that mentality. We owe you everything. If my movie sucks, I did an asylum movie last year. One of the Sharknado pieces of crap called <laughs> Megalodon. I gave 210 percent to this film. Yeah, it sucks. it's not my place to tell you you're wrong. And that's yeah. what crazy about Hollywood now. It literally is for you to judge me. I'm here to entertain you. So it's like, we owe you everything. So I can't tell you how grateful I am and how amazing it is that I finally get to bond with my, my fellow Star Wars fans. This is yes. amazing. Yes, preach, preach, Dominic. I love it, man. Yeah, dude. I mean, to be fair, a lot of us have seen Megalodon, and uh, a lot of us have enjoyed it. I'm sure tomorrow at Thanksgiving dinner, my brother-in-law is gonna put on the Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say this: I, I showed up. I mean, I showed up to give 110 percent every single yeah. scene the best way I can. When you have to do 14 pages a day because it's so low budget, there's only you have one take. Yeah. So, at the, and with that being said, I gave everything I had. At the same time, I mean, it's only you can only do so much. You know, it's just it's asylum. But at the same time, that's always been my mentality of just trying to do everything I can in order to give 110 percent, no matter what the project is. Absolutely. And so. 
I got a few more questions about the Mandalorian, but then I want to I want to dive into you as the fan. I want to dive into you as a fan. So what so far we've you know, in our previous episodes, we've talked about our favorite part, favorite parts of the show so far and maybe some of our theories. What have been your favorite parts of the show up to this point? And then where do you think the show is going to end up going? I like that they're scaling it back. I like that, you know, they're letting it digest. You know, back in the 60s and 70s, there should be this great thing in the 1980s where, like, they would play a song for, like, literally five freaking minutes, and there'd be a car, like, rolling up to a freaking house. And literally nowadays, it would, like, that would be, people would be sitting in the theater being like, what the hell's going on? But that was, like, the thing. It'd be, like, this corny, cheesy disco song, you know? Right. Burt Reynolds would be pulling up to a freaking driveway. But I like the fact that they're letting it digest. They're yeah. not overwhelming us. They're going back to the simplicity. I got to be honest, I'm worried about episode nine because sometimes mm. my fear is that they're thinking about overthinking crap where it's mm. almost like speaking in front of your family. All your family has to tell you is, listen, we love you. Don't worry about it. No matter what's going to happen, we love you. We love Star Wars. So you do not have to overcomplicate this. Yeah. And that's the beauty that they've done. They've sort of magic put in this magic of sort of this Western kind of backdrop feel. Right. Um, you know, and sort of that Asian influence, too, from I forget the name of that that inspiration, that that one film of where somebody's protecting a child. I forget the name. It of was it. a Kurosawa film. Yes. Uh, is it yeah, Lone yeah. Wolf and Cub? Yes, that's it. Mm. That's it. Yeah. But I like the fact that they're bringing it back to where you can digest this. And it's not all this eye candy. What I've always said about Star Wars, I'm not even a sci fi fan. It's not about the pew, pew, pew. And it's not about it's about relationships. The re right. What resonated so much for me, people ask me, episode five was my favorite movie because it had to do with father and son. It doesn't have to do with lightsabers and blasters. If that's all you're going to whip out and you can throw in everything to the mix, all your demographics go right ahead. If I don't care about you, and, and this goes for me as an actor too, if you don't yeah. care about me, there's nowhere to go. You know, there's no yeah. substance. I even put me in Terminator 25, but if there's no substance to Dominic's character, that's, right. that's the concern. I think they're going to a beautiful arc to where Filoni knows the Easter eggs. He knows about, you know, the fascination with the, the backdrop of Star Wars, the OT fans, you know, in many ways. Yeah. Um, but also going back to what has made this series beautiful, and that is the mythology, that is family, that is good and evil. And that's it. Stop with the freaking social virtual signaling, politics, whatever it is. Ultimately, it's just about the base of right here in the soul. And then when you do that visually, which they're doing with that LED screen, which is the most yeah. amazing thing I have ever seen in person in my life, I have perfect vision. I was 25 feet away <laughs> from Werner Herzog's lair. That backdrop is fake. And you go, on, go back and you oh. watch. You go back and you watch episode one tonight. That backdrop, I had to keep checking my eyes. <laughs> the pillars on the top there, whatever the wall. Yeah. The whole thing is two dimensional. It's freaking ridiculous. That's but com combine that with again substance, and I don't yeah. care. You. Can uh, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis did a movie. It's probably the most boring movie ever if any actor did it before. <laughs> it's called The Phantom Thread. If you gentlemen... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know it. Yeah. Okay. He, I can watch him watch, I watch paint dry because of the substance and the texture that he gives to every performance. So ultimately, it's the same thing for me with Star Wars. It doesn't matter. Somebody said, hey, what would be, you know, if they want to continue on with Star Wars, what would be your favorite universe? It does not matter. What yeah. matters is the substance. I don't care about the gender. I don't care about the freaking race. It matters in terms of what the storyline is and do I care about you? And stop now Hollywood with this. Oh, you didn't like it because it's this. No, I liked it. I didn't like it because there was no story. I, I right. watched, there was one movie called The Whale Rider, a 13-year-old New Zealand female back about 15 years ago. 
one of the greatest films I've ever seen about a 13-year-old girl. And it was absolutely amazing because of the substance. No, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, and it's it is. It's about the story, and that's that's the essence. That's the myth. That's the that is what George Lucas spent so long trying to create. Is something larger than all of us. It's the modern fairy tale. So it has to be a story. It has to be something you can emotionally invest in. Otherwise, you wouldn't have millions of fans across the world. I mean, this is a worldwide phenomenon that has been going on for forty plus years, and you have to have the years. story. It's insane. And, it's amazing. I, I, that's the reason, yeah. And I think that's one of the things that we love about the show is that it's. Uh, Filoni has a great background in storytelling, but the show itself in the cinematography of it, the music, uh, the sound effects, it tells the story for you. There doesn't have to be a lot of dialogue that tells the story and just how he's walking through a cavern or how he walks into a cantina. And I think that's one of the things that we've we've really enjoyed as a whole uh, through these first three episodes. I'm not a big gamer, but I just had a really nice experience with my son with this Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, yeah. Thing where it was a nice fine wine you mm-hmm. can really just enjoy there was also another one was it called the last of us oh um, yeah yeah great yeah. game the same thing game. where it's like i genuinely enjoyed it there was one before that called la noir um but again it's just because it's a slow burn you know there was another movie over the summer which i enjoyed called midsummer it really was oh fun. great disturbing movie. as hell but i'll tell you the same thing a nice slow burn to where you can just take it in we don't need all this freaking you know fly by the seat of our pants and and again, all the virtue signaling has nothing to do with whether I care about you or not. For sure. It, you know, and you mentioned the relationship things. And, and one of the funny things my girlfriend says about The Mandalorian, you mentioned father and son in Empire Strikes Back. That was the connection for you. Now what's funny is it's it's not it's not necessarily funny, but it's a story of a single father. And that's kind of like, you know, The Mandalorian rescuing this baby, right? Now he's got to protect this baby. And let's see where it goes. You know, or, I'm you so... Know, episode three, too, where it was brotherhood, you know, where, you know... For sure. You know, best friends in high school and, you know, you were my brother and all of a sudden you're now a pretentious, you know what, or whatever. Yes. Uh, Those are the connections. Those are the things that stick out for me. Don't get me wrong. I mean, some of the action, you know, I mean, in episode two from um, Camino, et cetera, uh, absolutely amazing. But again, if all it is, I'm dialed out and I only will watch the film one time, even if it's Star Wars. Yeah. So so with Rise of Skywalker, I mean, are you are you planning on seeing it opening night? Are you going yeah, so uh, maybe, uh, doing something very special with Daniel Logan. Uh, my agents are negotiating oh, awesome. right now to where we might be surprising an audience down in San Antonio. Um, but I do have tickets uh, with my family for the opening night. Don't get me wrong. I mean, no matter what, the, the one thing, you know, that's been brought into attention here over the last couple of years is a lot of the negativity. And one thing that I like to equate it to, you guys are from Cleveland, you're diehard sports fans, Chicago, New oh, York, yeah. Austin, diehard sports fans, Philadelphia. You can, You guys can relate. The one thing is with the negativity, I'm sort of on the fence as opposed to Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, Freddie mm. Prince, yeah. To where we love our Cubs, we love our Yankees, we love our Mets, our Indians, whatever. We love our Cleveland Browns. We cannot live without them. And one of the things in terms of some of this negativity is also as an actor, you take Megalodon. I can't sit here and not want to not accept criticism. And the other yeah. thing is I can't look down on you for any negativity because the other thing is you care about me because you love me. You love the, the team. And the other thing is with Star Wars, we love you no matter what. So it's like some of the passion, some of the negativity, in my opinion, is not necessarily, oh, well, you're just a child. You don't get it. No, I genuinely care about this product. So right. for me, it's like not only the people go ahead and praise the, the, the franchise in every single way, but also there's a percentage, not the hateful ones. But there's a percentage of the, the the criticism that just like me as an actor, you have to listen to. Otherwise, that's a problem. For sure. Opinion. 
for sure. So what are, I guess, what are some of your predictions uh, for the, the remainder of the Mandalorian season? What do you, where do you think this is going to go as far as storyline? What do you think is going to happen, man? I, I kind of want to know your take, uh, no insider. I mean, nothing like that, but where do you think that this is going to end up at the end of season one? Um, I think the beautiful thing is I think this baby is going to be more than what we expected. Um, and I think there's a level of simplicity similar to the beginning of uh, when we meet Yoda in Empire Strikes Back to all of a sudden where our jaw is going to drop. Ideally, okay. in a perfect world, what I would love to see is some of our beloved characters, including Four Lomzokas, uh, Dengar and Boss. Wow. Uh, you know, maybe on that hook at the end of the day, also uh, an amazing season one hook where I think every Star Wars fan will literally have their jaw drop for. 20 years would be if there is a, I, I mean, this would be, to me, this would be amazing, would be if there's a, um, a they end on the last five minutes, a hook with Boba being alive. That yes. Be oh, yes. <laughs> please, please. Sick. Dominic, Dominic, I predicted this on our first Mandalorian episode. I said the season one was going to end with a Boba Fett cameo or some yeah. type of like, just give you enough to hold you over till season two. And you know, the we whole need confirmation. Day, that standoff the entire day. I was sitting there, and this this can't be true. I mean, I don't think it is. I'm not I'm not throwing you uh, throwing a wrench out here or whatever, or throwing you in the wrong direction. Sure. But I was sitting. One of Boba Fett, Han Solo were my two favorite figures. And as I was sitting there on set with my gun drawn at this Mandalorian, I was thinking, God, if there's a one percent chance that this is Boba, I swear to God, I'm going to geek out. The rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to geek myself out to beat me because I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is the coolest thing ever. Um, but, but I don't, I mean, I know that they want to continue on, expand on, but again, you have a jetpack, you can leave the Sarlacc pit, you know? So right. I, I honestly would think it would be the best freaking cliffhanger in the world. And yes. I think Maloney and Favreau, and like I said, I would just love to see little backstory, you know, how you saw Squidman or at least their race in the first right. episode. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think they know Filoni is in touch with our generation and he knows how connected we are to the OT. But to see a little bit more depth to those side characters, and hopefully in 20 years they do something with Gecko even more. Um, yeah. Because it just adds to the depth of the universe. It makes it more real for us. Love it. So knowing that you're a big Fett fan, right, and you're on The Mandalorian and you just witnessed him change his armor from that maroonish color with a bit of the Shore Trooper yeah. on there, and he upgraded with the Beskar and it's all shiny now. If you were in your Mandalorian arm, what color, <laughs> what would your colors be? Cause they've all, they all paint them or, you know, style them up in some way, shape or form. What would your colors be? Uh, so I had this priceless uh, star Wars opportunity uh, in, and that I wish everyone uh, could have this opportunity, whether it was with a blaster or a lightsaber. I was uh, one of the first bounty hunters at the prop table and I was able to pick my blaster and mm. I went with the biggest one. So I don't know necessarily. <laughs> Good choice. I can show you a few shots, but I have these forearm uh, pads that are bigger than Mando's. Um, ideally, wow. I would love upgrades on those in terms of having <laughs> even those heat sneakers that he had. Yes. And maybe even perhaps a bigger upgrade on my blaster to where it can even have more of a powerful uh, kick-ass punch. I, I said, you know, as far as with the video game, if Gecko was in the video game, it would be less agility and more power uh, because of my size. And yes. Height. So somebody could, you know, another a bounty hunter could kick my ass if it was like some kind of Dungeons and Dragons thing, if they were fast. <laughs> but as far as blaster power and as far as, you know, energy, if I were to connect, that would be my basically my little freaking knockout nice. um, ability as a bounty hunter. So do you... Nice. 
you know, um, you're a collector, right? You mentioned, you know, your favorite figures and with that, like, what do you collect? What, what, when did you start collecting? When, when did you get your first, well, or I guess what's your earliest memory of getting a figure? Well, the, the, well, when I was five years old, my mother, we didn't have much money and that's what made it, made it so special And that I only had like these 12 figures. I don't recall the blue snaggletooth for some reason, even though I had the cantina playset. Um, I love the OT and you know, people will be like, Hey, you know, I've got this thing from this series or that series. I just love the original trilogy just because the reason I went into collecting was for me, it brings back memories of childhood. Yeah. And childhood it reminds me of when I was with my grandparents at their house and, you know, when they were still alive and my mother and my, my amazing, I had 30 kids on my block. We used to be a tough eighties group of kids that we used to have so much fun role-playing and playing touch football and tackle football, et cetera, et cetera. So it's those memories for me in terms of collecting with that being said, if there's like a badass figure, like say the Death Troopers in Rogue One, were like the coolest freaking. Oh movie. yeah! This Jet Sith Trooper looks so badass. I got him on Amazon. <laughs> it was amazing. But as far as my collector set, which would be priceless, once I leave Hollywood, which I'd love to, I did a movie in Atlanta a couple years ago, and I I can't wait to get my man cave before I die. That's my one <laughs> retirement wish. But I love all of the real life size blasters. I have somebody doing a three D okay. own blaster in Texas right now. Um, but I have icons. I have the Luke Skywalker saber. And to be able to collect all those, you know, the Dooku, wow. the Yoda one, all those high-end ones, uh, to me, that means a lot uh, just because I, I just love the design of them. I think they're the coolest things ever. So are you, a, are you a lightsaber or are you a blaster guy? What would you say you are, one or the other? Or uh, both? I, I, mean, I mean, I love question. blaster. I think it's the coolest thing ever. I just bought a replica of it uh, myself there now. But I, I enjoy the blasters. And, you know, it's so upsetting the way society's going, because when we were kids, whether we watched Star Wars, Rambo or Commando, it was the coolest thing ever. RPGs and Uzis yeah. and all that. But not once in a million freaking years did I ever, ever even think any bit of violence in the real world. It was just a fantasy world. And it was so much right. fun when we were kids to see everyone shoot up the bad guy or what have you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the blasters have been amazing. And, and, and that's not to take away anything from the security and safety of our country. It's just frustrating because when we were kids, just like watching Tom and Jerry, I'm sorry, I was not inspired to go hit somebody over the freaking head. <laughs> so as far as, so as far as like how you collect, would you consider yourself like a young Anakin Skywalker where it's very simple, humble collection? Are you like the general grievous where you're like, ah, oh, this will make a fine addition to my collection where you're very selective or are yeah. you like full scale junk trader Watto where you got to have every figure <laughs> yeah. that comes out and it's in a yard somewhere. I can't. No, I can't. The wife would kill me. And uh, even if you put, um, really for me right now, I think there was about originally with the, well, I think the original figures, I want to say they're like 70 something. And then I think when you add the 85 set on it, there's like 100 and something. If these conventions start becoming really lucrative, I've got about 70 or so of the originals with maybe one or two of the 85s, uh, including like yeah. for um, those are the things that I would be passionate about in terms of just being detailed with the collection. But not just going all out all over the universe. No, no. When I when episode one came out, I went crazy. Yes. Um, but the same thing <laughs> for me is that it's just as much to receive. It's better to give. And I had some really amazing nephews. I gave a lot of the episode one stuff too. But just sometimes amazing to hold on to things for a while. Mm -hmm. But the same thing now with charities too is that even the gifts that I'm receiving, I like to keep it for a month or two and pay it forward. But the original trilogy stuff is what I really mm -hmm. want to work on. Yep. Do you do you collect anything else besides Star Wars? Do you have other passions or other fandoms that you collect? Uh, bucket list. I have uh, two uh, states left to visit. I have Alabama and Mississippi, and then also baseball stadiums. I collect yes. a baseball 
in, in every stadium. I have four stadiums left, Toronto, Detroit, Miami, and Tampa. Oh, and, my goodness. Uh, so if you Google Dominic wow. Pace movie locations, uh, I'm pretty much done. But I've been to <laughs> over 250 movie locations all over the world. Wow. I, That's I wild. Incredible. Pop culture, everything from the Goonies in Astoria to Stand By Me in, in uh, Brownsville, Oregon. The, the um, Godfather House in Staten Island. Yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters Firehouse, uh, the Christmas Story House in Cleveland, um, all that kind of stuff. John Hughes locations in Chicago, the Field of Dreams in Iowa. Oklahoma was uh, Outsiders. I've been all over the world. Wow. So cool. Yeah, I, I love being amongst because my imagination, I can feel for a minute, even the Back to the Future House or locations, Karate Kid, yeah. uh, Greece. I can, I really genuinely could feel for a second that I'm in the movie and it's a really magical feeling for me. That's beautiful. And, and Dominic, I think you and I have a lot in common, man, because I also visit all the stadiums. I, I'm i not as far along as you, uh, yeah. but I do travel to all the baseball stadiums. I have I have about 10 left. Um, okay. What What's your favorite stadium so far you've ever been to? Uh, there's nothing like Wrigley. It feels like a party there. The uh, the whole community, it's just, you know, the food, too. I mean, you have the, the all, you know, the Vienna beef uh, hot dog. You've got the beer. Yeah. You've got then I got to see it before they upgraded, and I knew they had to for, obviously, for their Yes. Their and that's why they won a World Series. But it was nothing more beautiful than hearing just the sound of these four 60-year-old men play a, uh, like a four-piece band. <laughs> yeah. You had the smell of your beer and your hot dog. You had the sound of the game. It was the most beautiful feeling and the, and the experience on earth in the shade uh, at Wrigley Field in May. And then, like yeah. I said, Lou Malnati's Pizza in Chicago. Oh, yeah. I've ever mm -hmm. tried. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've been there since the renovations. I actually, for Celebration, Star Wars Celebration in April, I did the Subway series. I went to Comiskey or Guaranteed Rate Field, and then I took the Subway down to Wrigley to catch the night game. Okay. Those re those renovations, uh, it, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't yeah. feel the same. It is, um, you know, it's very clean. It's very clean. Um, but it doesn't have that same Wrigley vibe, man. It's it's yeah. wild. It's unfortunate. I feel the same. I grew up in the, uh, with the New York Mets. I'm from New York. And uh, I used to love Shea Stadium. And even though it was a dump, it was our dump. And it was also yep. a memory that you, it's just like Star Wars. It's about the memories that you have, you know, and, and not necessarily the, all the plans, fancy upgrades. It's really about the substance, the time we had with our family or, our, our, you know, our mom when we were younger, et cetera, you know? Yeah. Yeah. As someone who's originally from Detroit, I can tell you, you're not missing much at Comerica Park. Oh, <laughs> I, I love Comerica. I want, it, I want that Coney dog uh, hot dog. I hear so much about it. And Stroh's yeah, beer. Well, I got to try that stuff. Oh, Stroh's. That's true. Yeah, you need to get a Coney dog, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Lafayette right. Coney Island's right there, so it's it, perfect. It's, it's, it's the Italian in me. I love all the, um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the food, the signature food places all over the country. In St. Louis, they have toasted ravioli. Yes, um, yes. You know, in uh, Minnesota, they have like a state fair theme, plus this a burger called the Juicy Lucy Burger. Where they oh, at it. Matt's Bar. At Matt's yes. Bar. Oh, yeah, dude. I've been there. <laughs> And then, you know, you got Philly cheesesteak, of course, in Philly and then Miami. They've got Cuban food, all that kind of stuff. I love. I love all those gimmicks and such. Oh, this is great, dude. I'm learning so much. Oh, <laughs> this is yeah. good, man. No, I, you know, I, uh, I not only travel for baseball stadiums, I travel for food, too. And I, I, don't, I don't have as many movie locations as you do for food, but I have a lot of food locations across the country. If, if it's like a regional thing, like those toasted ravs, dude, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. So this yeah, is good, it, man. It, it, it would be a sin to go to, like, say, McDonald's or Cheesecake Factory when you're away. That's the other thing, too. I told my agents, I said, please get me in as soon as possible because – there's no point in me visiting if, if I can't at least, at least take in something unique from the uh, from the city or the town. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I guess, you know, as far as like Star Wars is concerned, where um, 
where do you think the Star Wars universe is going to go post Skywalker saga? Like, what do you think is going to happen once episode nine is done? Where do you think just Star Wars in general is going to go? I mean, especially for like, I'm an OT guy, too. I'm definitely uh, that's that's what I grew up in. I grew up reading the novels. Uh, I'm not old enough to have seen the original films in theater, but that was what I grew up on. But where do you think after all these years, you know, Disney or in Lucasfilm have said this is the end of the saga. Where does it go from here, in your opinion? I I hope there's some time to digest. I think we're in a weird time right now where, you know, it seems to be a lot of politics that play into things that don't necessarily make for good Hollywood. And that's a concern. I'm Italian-American. You know, I do not want to be cast in anything that is really out of my range. And I am proud to be Italian-American. I understand that there's negative aspects of my culture. At the same time, if you to do a movie where I am a happy, uh, well-adjusted husband and uh, father, and uh, there's really no arc because, God forbid, uh, my culture is freaking offended because of one thing or another. Um, And what this translates to is the fact that there needs to be arc. Philip Seymour Hoffman, God rest his freaking soul. Yeah. Was so freaking amazing is because there are flaws. And right now we have an issue with Hollywood in that stories cannot be made because God forbid there's a flaw of a woman or there's a flaw of, a, of an Italian American. There needs to be flaws. And my concern is just substance over quantity right now. And I hope to God they take their time and really nurse, yeah. nurse mm-hmm. the K- Kenobi in terms of just making what is good. Because right now, all of a sudden, you mean, and I even saw on Twitter, God damn it. It's like even there's still 1% of people that are like, oh, they didn't recognize these people or this person. It's like, get the frick out of here, man. If you do not need me in a Christmas Hallmark movie, don't put me in the freaking movie. And it's okay. I understand. And I totally right. get it. You know, I, I understand. I'm a, I'm a heavy. I'm a tough guy. Yeah. I, I don't expect to be the boy next door where you're going to fall in love with me because I have a charming presence. I don't need that. I need to show you that I have flaws as an actor. And other women and other people from all walks of life need to show you their flaws also. Otherwise, personally, I don't care about you. So that's the concern right now with Hollywood. That's the concern right now with Star Wars in terms of the arc of characters, in terms of making them perfect in regards to, you know, if you can't start off perfect and then all of a sudden go to perfect, there is no arc. You have to have Mm -hmm. flaws. And that's my concern in terms of any storyline. You need to be flawed because I want you, just like Hakeem Phoenix, Give him the freaking Oscar right now. Yeah. Yes. In this world, there is people in this world that have pain. They have suffering. I do not need to show you my abs and how great and amazing I am as this big, shiny freaking movie star. I need to show you my soul. And other people need to do that as well. And they don't understand that. They think it's offense to their gender or to their race. And they're ruining Hollywood every freaking day. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> no, dude, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, you know, with with this, I I think my my personal thing is I think with the Disney Plus and the live action shows, they're going to allow themselves to develop the stories the right way. I think having John Favreau, a master storyteller, link up with another master storyteller and Dave Filoni. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I really think those two guys are setting the precedent uh, for for exactly what you're saying. I mean, you you know, you're never going to make you can't aim for a perfect content, right? You just right. have to, you have to aim for the right story. And right. I think with, you mentioned the Kenobi and, and let's hope Gecko gets in Kenobi. We got to start the hashtag, baby. We got to get like Gecko and Kenobi going. And you know, this is the thing, man. I think they're, they're doing it right with the live action. I think they're doing it right with the television content, pacing yeah, it out. All the technical, I think is great. Like I said, I just think it's the overall ideology right now in terms of writers gotcha. can't write. 
I don't even know how, it, you know, I think uh, the director of Joker got in trouble because he was hitting on a good point. I can't even write a comedy anymore. And it's yeah. just like, that's mm -hmm. that's my point. But as far as what they're doing technically, I think it's great. It's just the issue of society right now where you have a very vocal small percentage of people that are offended and it's killing all of us. It's killing artists. And in, in, in this town is right. ironically the most vocal about it. And they can't be because we need to show you our heart. And and that's when we start praising. And, and that's why Joker made millions and gazillions of dollars because right. it showed flaws, you know? And well, you know, think about this. The Mandalorian, we're three chapters in. We got the four chapter coming up. We've seen, what, 95% aliens? I mean, it's really been very, very little humans and yeah. not a lot of dialogue. Uh, so right then and there, you, you're you getting a beautiful story without yeah. worried about um, any type of, uh, as far as like social ideologies or things Thank like that. You. So I right then and there, it's they're just crafting a beautiful story regardless of, of character, right? And, and and that's kind of, that's a beautiful thing that they're giving to everybody. And let me be clear, there's a place for everybody, but it has to be organic. You know, it can't be a feel force. And you you guys know the difference when that happens. I know the difference when that happens. It cannot be forced. And right. that's really ultimately the most important thing. And, and there's a place for everyone in this town. And, and I and uh, God bless diversity in and, and every single way, but let it be organic and let me care about you. Yeah. Well, Dominic, I got I got something fun I want to do with you. Okay. I want to I want to I want to kind of we want to do this thing. It's a word association game. You may have seen these. You may have played these, right? Yeah. It's a Star Wars word association game, and I want to see how many we can get through in one minute. And okay. basically, I'm just gonna lay I'm just gonna lay into you as far as give you the character or give you whatever it is, and you just answer it as quickly as possible. Let's see if we can get through them all. So I'm going to cue up our little, I mean, I'm going to cue up some baseball music. I'm going to do some cantina-themed baseball music since you're a Mets fan, and okay. uh, let's see what we got here. So I'm going to get started. Let's back this bad boy up. And on the count of three, we're going to start. You ready? Let's do it. Right. One, two, and Luke Skywalker. Uh, what, do I, what do I say? Uh, yellow lightsaber. Princess Leia. Uh, buns. Boba Fett. Uh, jet, jet pack. Lando Calrissian. Smooth as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Jabba the Hutt. Uh, uh, um, uh, oh, Palace. Pizza the Hutt. Uh, Dobby Eloise. Ray. Um... Oh God! Uh, strong. Kylo Ren. Uh, imposing. Raylo. Uh, yes please. J.J. Abrams. Solid savior. Dave Filoni. Uh, genius. John Favreau. Genius. Disney Plus. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Carl Weathers. Uh, amazing presence. C-3PO. Uh, legend. The Mandalorian. Uh, epic. Baby Yoda. Adorable. Old Yoda. Uh, legendary. Empire Strikes Back. The greatest. Han Solo. Alpha male. Chewie. Lovable. BB-8. Cute. Suka. Uh, a little corny. <laughs> Mudhorn. Uh, uh, Wampa. <laughs> Good. Well, we, we almost got through them all, dude. You almost got all the way through it. That's awesome. Uh, God, that was really good. That was really good. <laughs> you did better than we did before this show. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
That's great, man. So, hey, listen, Dominic, thank you so much for joining us on the Star Wars Friends Show. I know, you know, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Uh, what, you know, I have I have this other podcast called No One Is Listening, and we do a What's Your Favorite podcast. And the one that just came out is What's Your Favorite Thanksgiving Food. So I got to ask you, Dominic Pace, are you a canned cranberry or are you a fresh fresh cranberry in the Pace family? Oh, man, neither. Neither. <laughs> <laughs> got the uh, jams with the uh, uh, melted marshmallow is pretty damn good yeah, yeah. oh beautiful yeah. so any big plans for thanksgiving you guys staying at home you going to see family or uh it's my wife's birthday so we're going to celebrate and uh and awesome. just take, it, take, take a second to rest here it's been quite a uh a turbulent and amazing uh few weeks so it'll be a second just to kind of stop with the social media for a minute and to just relax and enjoy family and my children there well, that's great, man. We, cool. we hope that you get to definitely uh, relax and enjoy that. Is there anything that you want to shout out? Is there anything that you want to kind of send out to anybody or, or Twitter handles or whatever? Absolutely. I, I posted it a couple times, but uh, this time of year is sometimes can be upsetting for people. And uh, I'm very approachable on social media. So if cheering, if some, cheering some uh, Star Wars fan up, uh, you know, whether it's a child or somebody who's going through a hard time, if I can send a video, my agents will kill me. But if I can send a video for free to cheer somebody up that they know somebody from Star Wars or to all the 500 first listening, uh, just to be, just tell, tell them how, uh, how involved I want to be in terms of uh, any, any events in their, in the local cities and town, but just to use this opportunity that so many would have uh, died to have had um, for positive and for goodness in terms of charities and uh, involvement with the Star Wars community in a positive way. Um, just know that I'm 110% on board. That's beautiful. Where can they find you at, Dominic? Sure. Uh, Dominic Pace on Instagram, Twitter, or uh, Facebook. Uh, and uh, yeah, great to uh, bond with all the Star Wars fans there. Oh, that's awesome, man. We love having you on this show, man. Like, I mean, you you seem like a Midwesterner. Like, really, oh, like, it, it, for real. I mean, you're a food guy, you're a baseball guy, like, yeah. you know, and a Star Wars fan. Yeah, I mean, let's, let, let's just say I'm very antisocial out here, so I probably am. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is good, man. I appreciate it. Um, you know, and, and with that, we wish you the most of luck. I know that I'm going to try to, I'm going to get the gecko hashtags going. Once we launch this episode, we're going to get, we are all big time collectors. Uh, we are toy collectors and I would love to see a gecko action figure. I'm going to try my best to, uh, to get that hashtag rolling. Um, I do, I do have some contacts at Hasbro. And, wow. and I, did, I did look oh. at that custom figure. It's beautiful. The one that you yeah, posted, that great. custom figure looks great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I tagged the makeup artist. Thank you so much, guys, for any efforts. Uh, obviously, I'm in the world. And just know that I'm fully committed the rest of my life to uh, to doing good for all the Star Wars fans and uh, and to being open and, and uh, um, uh, involved in uh, all the community events there. Awesome. And we hope to see you at Celebration 2020. Are you going to be in Anah Anaheim? My agents, uh, we've got about, uh, I want to say about five to six conventions locked in. Awesome. Uh, Minneapolis, Cincinnati, South Carolina, Pensacola, uh, Stockton, California, um, uh, and then possibly in Rhode Island. So uh, they're working on it. It's just, you know, the side characters can go either way, but I can't tell you how much I, how appreciative I am of every single fan who supports this side character, this one of a kind bounty hunter. It means the world to me because then I think they're watching as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dominic. Dominic plays Gecko on The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. He is a, a working actor. Check him out, man. So we thank you so much for joining us today on the Star Wars Friends Show, Dominic. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great evening and a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, too. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. you, too. Thank you, guys. Thank you, gentlemen. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. I got a really good feeling about this. Why?
everybody. So that was our first ever interview show here on the Star Wars Friends podcast. What a doozy, man. Dominic Bates. Awesome. Give it up, dude. So cool. Yeah, I, I thought we were just going to be interviewing some actor, and then it turns out he's like legit 100% one of us like he's a <laughs> yeah. he's a Star Wars nerd through and through like that was so awesome I know yeah. there was we learned a lot about him. I mean you know my big takeaway outside of the Star Wars thing he goes to the baseball stadiums like me like that's a yeah. huge like yeah. relatable cool thing so and all of his work with the community the Star Wars community the 501st it's so cool so I definitely I want to get that gecko figure going for sure. we gotta do that yeah. that was definitely a great message to hear from him too about reaching out and sharing with others you know, helping the 501st, helping Mando Mertz, you know, being available to Star Wars fans because uh, it's not always easy sometimes. And, that, and, and hearing those actors put themselves out there is fantastic. Right, right. So with that, I mean, this is the first of many to come, guys. This was a blast. And uh, how cool is it we got to interview someone that was on The Mandalorian? Dude, I'm like still so geeking awesome. out about it, man. Like, it's yeah. crazy. It's so cool. I can't I don't even I don't even have any words for it. <laughs> So let's do this again, guys. We're going to get together in a few days to dissect Chapter 4 of The Mandalorian. I cannot wait. Uh, and if you guys are listening, hit us up, man. Let us know your thoughts on Dominic Pace. You can hit us up on all social media channels at SW Friends Show. Join the community at large. We're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can hit us up at StarWarsFriends.com. If you want to hit me up personally, you can hit me at no one is Chris on Twitter. Uh, I'm not on it. Well, I'm not on Instagram, but me on twitter what about you guys uh i'm josh and I, you can find me on instagram and twitter at battle of tanab this is justin you can find me on twitter at i am the bendu this is vic you can find me on twitter at vic m pike awesome dudes well it is the way it, it is, is the way, way. <laughs> i was waiting i was like oh so <laughs> Join us next time uh, on episode five of the Star Wars Friends Show, where we're going to break down chapter four of The Mandalorian. And until then, have a happy Thanksgiving, and may the Force be with you. 